Welcome to show number two of Film Matters, the podcast where we discuss film in the light of faith. We believe the stories we tell can help us better understand our humanity and relate more effectively with God and with each other. Today, we are discussing Star Wars. Normally, we will be discussing a single film on each episode of Film Matters, but today's show, we are examining the entire saga of Star Wars so far. Each episode of Film Matters will be hosted by a wonderful panel who we've assembled especially to talk about the selected film. My name is Jason Weedle. You'll hear my voice on this show as well as other Media Scorch Network podcasts. I also write about issues of faith and culture at jasonweedle.com. Joining me today are Dan Z and Corey Club, hosts of the Coffee with Kenobi podcast. Welcome, Dan and Corey. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you, Jason. We are, we are very honored to be a part of this, uh, two subjects that are very near and dear to our hearts. Fantastic. Um, can you tell tell uh, our listeners just a little bit about what you guys do and about your podcast? Most certainly. Well, Coffee with Kenobi is a podcast that hopes to look at the Star Wars saga through a critical analytical lens. With my background as a teacher of literature and Corey's background as a graphic designer, we have uh, different ways of looking at the saga. And, and it's the challenge when you have a Star Wars podcast and all you have to do is go into iTunes or Stitcher and, and type in the word Star Wars. There are over 200 Star Wars podcasts. So we knew we had to have something that was unique to us. Yeah. So what we decided to do was pick what we love, what we were passionate about. I love reading books and, and watching films and analyzing them and trying to look at a more critical way. Uh, multidimensional thinking is probably the most uh, academic way to describe it. And uh, Corey and I are, are actually related. His uh, his wife and my wife are um, aunt and niece, and we always would chat at these family gatherings. And I remember thinking, man, this guy is awesome. I love talking to him <laughs> about comic books and Star Wars. And and I'd always wanted to do a podcast and and Corey was just the person that I always thought of, and I knew we had good chemistry. And because of Coffee with Kenobi, uh, I'm now fortunate that I, can, I get to write for stars.com twice a month. I've written for Star Wars Insider Magazine. And honestly, I'll write for them as long as I can think of pitches, but they're much longer articles that can be more challenging. And we are just uh, excited because Coffee with Kenobi is in its heyday because The Force Awakens is coming out December 18th. Yeah. We are a spoiler-free podcast. So if you want to come and just enjoy the anticipation and look back at the six existing films and the comics and the books, we are the podcast you're looking for. Corey, what did I miss? You nailed it, man. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that you know, our vibe is kind of that coffee house feel. You know, a conversation with friends, fans. Uh, we try to include the fan voice the best we can uh, through emails and voicemails. Uh, you can you can catch our website coffeewithknobi.com or email us there and get on the train and check us out. Sounds great. Sounds great. You know, I, I always appreciate you guys' conversation because, um, especially when you go into some of the, the themes and the ideas, some of the philosophy, and, you know, none of those are really new when we're looking at Star Wars. You know, people have been looking at that and writing about it, and probably since the beginning, those connections that Star Wars has to philosophy and literature and um, mythology and religion can uh what what do you guys see there can you say a little bit about what what do we see when we look at star wars and the connection to those kind of those kind of themes and ideas that are that are big yeah absolutely um you know it's 
interesting because everybody talks about the hero's journey, um, and that's obviously a vibrant theme through the majority of the 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 first three films, which originally came out in 1977, uh, four, five, and six. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, every kind of aspires to, to be the, the loner that, that, you know, saves the day. Um, and along the way, they, they find their calling in life. I think the interesting thing too about Star Wars, and, um, it's very similar to our version of King Arthur, which is actually more of a French tale. If you look at the mythology of storytelling and the history of that, um, King Arthur was something that uh, has been adapted uh, by the UK, but it really was more of a French thing. Uh, Mort d'Arthur was um, the Master Thomas Mallory, and ironically, it's Lord of the Rings that is kind of more of the British... Hmm. Their epic hero, their their journey. That's where that came from, and Tolkien sought to create that. And I think it's fair to say, and Lucas has said this on on many occasions, that he wanted to create the own American myth, the, the American modern myth. Star Wars is a story um, that encapsulates the best of what makes story come to life for you. The best thing about an epic is that it reflects the culture and the values of the culture and what they believe in, what is sacred to them, and it presents it in an entertaining way that where you learn something as well. R2-Ditch and C-3PO are like the bards. They are the storytellers that fuse this piece together. And you start in media res, which means it's a Latin word, meaning in the middle of the story. Right off the bat, we know things have happened before, but we don't know what. And we don't care because we're just so engrossed with C-3PO and R2-D2. And they land on this desert planet, and this, the effects blow you away. And then he introduces the concept of the Force. And the philosophy of that, um, and there's religion in it, and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I mean, we just had Cole Horton on, and we talked about history and how that it goes into Star Wars. And there's just so many things that Lucas was inspired by. And that's, again, the thing about the epic and about a hero's journey. You, are, you just are drawn in because all these things that inspire you as a people. And Star Wars is a, is a perfect metaphor for that. That's that's really interesting stuff, and um, you use Star Wars in the classroom at at some points, right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, I'm I'm the Star Wars teacher at my high school for sure. Is that is that some of the stuff that we would hear if we were sitting in your classroom? Just what you you just uh, went through? <laughs> it is. It very much would. It's very much would, and hopefully would have the uh, the vacuous stare that some of my students do when I talk like that. <laughs> um, no, it, it it very much is. I, I really the King Arthur thing is uh, resonates with me because after we study more Arthur, we I show them a new hope, and because there's so many things you've got the the older mentor, the wise old mentor. You've got the hero with uh, with the mysterious birth. And he finds this enchanted talisman or sword or lightsaber and this all these things fall into place and you see how Lucas was inspired and it's and it's exciting. I also like using Revenge of the Sith when I when we look at Hamlet. Because there are so many things there with Anakin and his tragic fall compared to Hamlet and his tragic fall, both people that are beloved in, in their culture uh, in the world that they grow up in, but because of some major lapses in judgment and some presuppositions that may or may not be true, they cause to create their own data downfall, and, it, and it's cataclysmic not only for themselves, but the place that they live in. 
you know, I, I think Star Wars has become so much a part of just American culture for us that we almost, it's, it's really just a reference point often. You know, when you're talking about literary parallels, you know, I, I kind of think that the, the idea of the mentor and the, the old wizard has become almost synonymous with Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, we might refer to a character as the Obi-Wan Kenobi character. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just, just, uh, you know, it's not even, it's not even just that we're simply talking about Star Wars anymore. We're talking about something that's bigger. Can you, can you, um, just kind of, you know, maybe for somebody who's not quite familiar with how the, uh, um, the archetypes lay over Star Wars, how, um, can you, can you kind of show a few of those parallels real quick in just maybe other stories that we're familiar with or movies or things that we know? The biggest uh, misnomer that I think people have is if they like a character, they think they're a deep character. No, they're not. A deep character, a dynamic character, a round character, is a character that at the end of the story is a much, much different person than they are at the beginning of the story. Uh, they mature. They mm-hmm. grow. It's not just about height. It's about how you change internally as a person, very much like your faith journey. And I think that's one of the reasons why we are drawn to heroes as a culture, too, because as Corey mentioned, we we like to believe that there is something inside of us um, that is steering us in a certain direction. People, Some people get uncomfortable when they, when they talk about fate and destiny because they like to think they're in control. But when you're a Christian, you know that there's a greater power there that is truly in control and is steering the ship. You have options about where you want to go, but you have to make these choices. And only by making these choices and making mistakes do you become who God intends you to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the great things about Luke Skywalker. Obi-Wan is, is a mentor or a, a road sign for him, but Luke still has to make those choices. Yeah. And, and that's what a hero is in literature. That is the archetype of a hero. So that by the end of this journey, uh, they go on this journey, uh, they meet different people, some help their path, some hinder their path. They get some sort of a weapon or talisman. They There's often a time where they enter what is known as the belly of the whale, which is, of course, very Old Testament, uh, where they're literally trapped. And for A New Hope, that's when Luke is in the Death Star. He's in the belly of the whale. He's inside the trash compactor. This The the, Dian, the Noga takes him underneath the water. He comes out, and he's changed, and he's, he's braver because he's lived through these experiences. And there, there are a number of these little plot points that you that you go through these archetypes, and at the end of the story, as I mentioned a few times, the hero's different. And they change, they grow, they mature. Maybe they're not scared anymore. Maybe they're uh, more willing to share. Maybe they're more willing to let their guard down. Maybe they're able to love. Maybe they are brave. I mean, look at the Wizard of Oz. You've mm, got yeah. you know, you need a heart, you need a brain, you need courage. They change and grow too. I mean, it's Harry Potter is full of these. In fact, Harry Potter, I would I would probably say any day of the week to anyone, Harry Potter's literature. You get you guys always ask guests about the the themes that resonate with them. Got any favorites that folks have brought up over the years? Any, anything particular, Corey? Yeah. You know, it's interesting over the, the course of doing our podcast, uh, like you said, we've had many fans and, and, and folks on and, and creators, and they've always had a different um, answer. Um, mm-hmm. And one that's really growing on me lately that some people have kind of, uh, I don't I want to say it was, um, I can't think of the person's name, but um, they gave the, the 
the example of the Star Wars being um, Han Solo's redemption story. Was that Mark Newbold? I think it was Mark. He was one of our one of our earliest um, um, guests on the show, mm-hmm. and um, it was just when he mentioned that it made me realize Han's place in the story. He wasn't just some, you know. Corruptible guy that's looking to get his way along in a life. Scoundrel, scoundrel, yeah, <laughs> yeah, nerf herder, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's something that's really kind of stuck with me. I've always looked at Hansel as a different character now that he's mentioned that. Um, that's interesting. And and the fact that this necessary Luke story, but it's Hans where he has to meet meet uh, his friends and, and become come out of his state of of quote unquote sin. Uh, if you will, and and show the error of his ways that he can redeem himself uh, and rescue his friends and and be uh, a better person. Uh, you know, we see him rescue Luke numerous times, and that just makes me think about so many other characters that we, mm. we meet in Star Wars and how it's it's in ways all of their stories. And you know, sure. we we put Luke Skywalker center. Or maybe if you you grew up with the prequels, you put Anakin at the, at the center, and, mm-hmm. and and it's their story. But we see the the saving and the growth of so many characters throughout the story. It's true, yeah. The 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 notion it's easy to take Luke because he's the he's the main he's arguably the main character of the original three films. But so many of these characters go through their own arcs. Even Jar Jar does. Honestly, Jar Jar does, sure. and. Um, Corey did nailed it on on the head as he always does. Um, there have been so many uh, wonderful guests that we've had. We've been very blessed, and every time we ask that question, it's my favorite question because the answers always make you think about Star Wars or just about the way you look at or consume literature or film or art in any way. It, it gets you to look at things in a different way. Um, honestly, Freddie Prince Jr. Whenever he's on. Anything that guy says is solid gold. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. he's he is uh he's very deep. He's very profound. He's a very spiritual being. And hearing him look at, at Star Wars or just the philosophy or the ideology of the Jedi, anything, he he's great. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that has come to that that I be, probably began to look at and pick out within maybe the last year is the the end of the original three when. Luke faces off with with Darth Vader, and then, um, you know, we we get kind of the climax and an end of the story there. I never really thought about this idea that at the at the end Luke puts away the lightsaber, lightsaber, and that's not how he wins the battle. and And I've really come to embrace a, a really a, a, a nonviolent perspective on the way I think that. Jesus calls us to be. And mm-hmm. usually we can't really overlay those ideas with action movies. Because <laughs> it's, it's true. Nonviolence mm-hmm. is not really very exciting. But, um, you know, I, I think it's so interesting that the end of it really comes down to I will lay down the violence and the victory really comes in that. Um, and the redemption of, of Darth Vader, if we want to call it, call that, mm-hmm. um, and, and comes in kind of the, the weakness of Luke and the love of Luke for his father. I, I just think that's very interesting there. 
Yeah, Jason, you nailed it. Uh, you know, it's it's that nonviolent way of of love. It's it's all through love. It's his his realization that that's his father, and he's that's who he's fighting. And and he throws his lightsaber away and says no. And, you know, it, it's it's he even mentions it. And he throws it away and says, "I'm a, a Jedi like my father before me." Before me, and everyone in that room, the Emperor and, and Vader, all know who that person was before he got corrupted uh, yeah. to know the good in his heart and Luke knew his good in the heart which is fascinating because he'd only known him as a villain up until uh, the Empire and then of course he kind of burned him with the I'm your father you know the biggest uh, component to the films itself I think it's it's and then you know I said Return of the Jedi he's, he's more so almost where he, he is that non-violence that way of, of love and compassion to, to combat that evil and Obviously, we see that is a lot bigger than um, the evil that's um, going on. Right. And I'm glad you, you asked this question, Jason, because I, um, Return of the Jedi is uh, a very, very loved film, and rightfully so. And it's when you're younger and you see Luke Skywalker, maybe you have some sort of a concern about well, why is he throwing away his lightsaber? Why is he throwing away his weapon? Well, as you mentioned, it's so rare in action films or anything like this to see that actually happen, I mean, in almost every film, the, hero, the villain dies, right? The, yeah. the villain gets killed. It's not always directly at the hands of the hero, but they don't always stop it. Or they're just sort of a bystander when it's happening anyway. But there's a, such a popular myth of redemptive violence, and there really is no such thing. And Luke takes the Christian path. He's willing to sacrifice his life. For his father, I mean, it, I um, one of the things I did before I taught was I, I ran a couple of different youth groups, and one of them was was Tech Teens Encounter Christ, and uh, I actually gave a, a talk, well before I knew I was going to be a teacher about how Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker's relationship could be a, a mirror to to the father and the son. Now, obviously, Darth Vader is not God, and Luke is not Jesus. Not even in the same universe, not even in the same ballpark. But the the notion there that there's redemption through the sun is very powerful and not accidental. Hmm. I, I think it's very interesting, kind of at that point too, where we see the the, the turn of Darth Vader. And I, I I always sort of had a little bit of problem with it because we've seen evil Darth Vader for three movies, and all of a sudden there seems to be just this one five minute part that makes him change his ways <laughs> and i don't know right. if it's completely realistic but i think it says something to us um it says something about i think forgiveness and redemption and, and i think within within christianity i think there is you know we we put a high priority on forgiveness but i mm -hmm. think there are times where um we still we still don't completely understand forgiveness and we still don't completely ex i think I, I think we don't always think that everyone should be completely forgiven and mm -hmm. you know i i think you know if we were to look at the most the most evil people around us if we were to look at the people who have really hurt us in life sometimes we still want them to we, we want a little revenge or we want them to get a little something that of, of what they deserve which is why it's so hard sure. and so important to forgive. Yeah. And and I think we apply that to God even. We apply that kind mm -hmm. of idea to God that, and, and think that uh, God, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times within Christianity we have the expectation that 
God doesn't completely forgive. He maybe ignores sin or, um, but forgiving is, is, it's 70 times 7, right? Sure. You're asked, it's that's why it's hard. It's everything. So even even the murderer who has murdered thousands of people, the, the forgiveness of that person is the same as the forgiveness of me who feels like I'm a pretty good person. Um, right. Which yeah. is why it's a mystery. Sure. You know, and, and that, that is that is the ultimate challenge. Uh, we, we had this discussion recently, and they talk about it on Full of Sith, actually, which is another wonderful Star Wars podcast, our favorite one, actually. But a lot of people have a hard time with Vader just suddenly being forgiven and turning to the light side just like that. This is the thing, though. When you see the prequels, you see he's a conflicted young man who, who was taken from his family at an early age, whose mentor, who was very much a father figure, turned on him. That's psychological trauma. Uh, he then he loses his mind. I believe there's temporary insanity there. And throughout the the books, throughout the comics, um, throughout the psychological things that happen, Anakin Skywalker, it's not entirely improbable to believe that there's always a seed of good in him there that Luke sees and feels, and he's biased because he's his son. But it's not an easy question to answer. However, I I, I firmly believe. Uh, if if you do believe in forgiveness, uh, forgiveness doesn't have subjectivity. It's it's pretty well absolute. You either forgive or you don't. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, it's through this conversation it makes me think uh, just to my personal life. Um, you know, when I've got children, young children, and and of course one, um, you know, hurts another children, and you bring them together under you know, under tutelage to help them, you know, understand forgiveness. Right. And a phrase we say in our house, we say, uh, and I'll tell them, will you please forgive me? Um, ask for their forgiveness rather than say, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> the first thing that my kids always do, they look at me and I say, no, I'm not the one. You need to look at them and, and ask for their forgiveness. And it makes me think back. You mentioned the, the scene um, with uh, Vader and Luke and, and the Return of the Jedi, but we see this when uh, Luke takes off the helmet of Darth Vader and says, let me see you through my own eyes. Uh, it makes me think of this, this eye-catching phrase, uh, let, me, let me see you and forgive you with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, again, Luke does say, I know the good in you. I know the good in you. I know you have good in you. Uh, and it's, it's, it's almost shocking to hear that, you know, because like you mentioned, Jason, up to this point, he's just been a very bad man. Uh, and he's, he's almost looking for a way to redeem himself somehow, some way there's going to be something. I'm searching the galaxy, you know, almost in a way to redeem myself. I just don't know how until he, you know, it comes across Luke and, and Luke obviously, uh, is that key. You know, some of, some of the, that, those ideas in that conversation made me think of, uh, when you were talking about just kind of the origin of Darth Vader and where he comes from and, and what we learned in the prequels. And I, I think we start to look at Darth Vader differently and probably those who grew up in the, the nineties have a completely different understanding of Darth Vader than those who saw the movies who started with, with a new hope with the first star Wars in 1977. And, and, uh, because Darth Vader was scary back then, and he was just mm-hmm, a bad mm-hmm. guy in black. And for most of three movies, that's all he was. And, you know, I, I think that I, I've thought in a lot of stories some, that sometimes it's disappointing to begin to learn the origin of the bad guy. Because I think it takes away 
the bad guyness. You know, it it takes away they they they're not just bad anymore for the sake of being bad. Now there's something different and more human, and we can't just look at them as just the bad guy. And uh, you know, I, I think there is something in in just human beings that makes us want to have just a bad guy to vent something up to vent that violence on really but yet that's that's so wrong and you know maybe we're deviating a little bit from the ideas that are really there in star wars but you know this it just makes me think of of those ideas that in storytelling and in in movies we want there to be a bad guy who pays the price at the end and and it might feel a little disappointing to us if the bad guy doesn't pay the price and we can't just vent the violence and the anger upon him and say this is our he's the reason so he has to pay the price and die yeah that's interesting to say that because i i was just running through films in my head think of bad guys and and you do you always have that it's the hero he saves the day he extinguishes the bad guy saves the girl whatever saves the city saves the world <laughs> we sing uh, and it, it's it's that that the end credits roll and we're all happy we we've got our satisfaction. Something that's very human, I think that's uh, yeah. that we, we 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 tend to think of in humanistic ways. Right. Now put it in reverse to where, say the at the end of the movie the hero dies and he sacrificed himself for the for the villain and the audience or or, or the the city and the world. Now that would be something that would be very christian allegoric you know in a sense and and i almost think you know i i even just think of just the movies in general have done that and I, not many come to to, to mind um, well, how about obi-wan kenobi in star wars there you go i mean yeah. honestly you could say yes he's doing it to give luke a little bit of time although i think you could argue it's really not that much but he also knows that luke is going to help with anakin mm-hmm. now i mean you could also debate whether he he probably in fact not probably he's he very much says you must kill Darth Vader, but by by saving Luke, Luke ends up saving Anakin. So it, it's it's selfless, even in more ways than Obi Wan is even aware of. Which just goes to show you that you know the the idea here of prophecy and what God wants from us, um, whether we want it or not, God's going to make a noise loud enough that we can't ignore. Yeah. Well, too, Dan, I was going to mention, uh, and I love that example, um, even Vader's uh, extension of love and, t- and taking the Emperor on and, and turning the Jedi and tossing him down the shaft there, yeah. uh, redeeming himself. Uh, so the villain does uh, save the day in a sense, uh, you know, in that respect of, of, of getting what he deserved type thing. He, t- he twists on his head a little bit. And isn't it cool that as he gets thrown down into darkness, little specks of light come out? So it's like a sign. Mm-hmm. The light is coming back to the galaxy, and even uh, you know, like like we we talked about before, Luke putting the weapon away. Um, in a sense, mm-hmm. that is somewhat sacrificial because very much, it, it, you know, at that point he could die. <laughs> very much, he's willing yeah, to he die did, to yeah. try to get to see if his his father will turn to the light. Yeah, I mean, he, even he's. He's he's willing to make that sacrifice, and if his father is any good in him at all, he's going to fight for his family. He's going to fight for his son. Right. Yeah, I think it's the height of uh, sacrificial love. You me- you mentioned the the prophecy just a second ago, and um, 
if listeners are not quite familiar, um, we hear in episode one about the the coming of the one who will bring balance to the force and and there's a virgin birth. Right, right. And if you're too if you're too rigid about um, that, your stories have to have kind of one for one allegorical equivalents, then it, that doesn't really work. True, and I mean, and honestly, allegory by definition really only has one interpretation. Yeah. What, what does what does Star Wars say to us about about prophecy? Because we hear about this one who will bring balance to the Force, but does he bring bring balance to the Force? Is their prophecy really fulfilled? Does it matter even if that prophecy existed, or did it actually confuse the matter more? Yeah, right, and is it just something that is uh, self fulfilling? It wasn't yeah. even there in the first place. Yeah. What do you think, Corey? That's a tough one. <laughs> the prophecy is there, and and prophecies are, are always highly debated or and discussed and analyzed. I think maybe we attracted to the idea of that kind of prophecy voice, or even just that idea of God speaking very clearly because we want that clear, easy voice. It would mm-hmm. wouldn't it be great if God said tomorrow this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. And you should make this choice. <laughs> well, I remember as a easy. kid, you're, like I remember my parents saying to me, "If you knew, if you could find out what the day you were going to die, would you want to know?" And I always said, "Absolutely not, hmm. absolutely not," because I want to live my life in such a way that I make God proud, but also in such a way that I'm not hampered by these restrictions that that may be placed on me. You want to. I don't think that's fair. Some things we're not meant to know. Sure. And at the same time, it is somewhat attractive. Sure. Uh, you know, if it was there, if it was, if there were, was the two doors or the, the, the red pill and the, the blue pill and, yes. you know, mm. w- one is no, the future and one is not no, it's tempting. It's tempting to know. And, you know, just with the idea of prophecy again, I, I really think that you know, for the Christian, if we look at Old Testament prophecy or, or, or we even, you know, have some kind of idea of modern day prophets, that it's not necessarily the person who is foretelling events, but often it's the person who is saying the way things should be or the way things could be, speaking something that, that really is the, the thoughts and the will of God, but it's not necessarily what has to happen. Jonah is a prime example of something that was spoken that is not what had to happen. He says, 40 days, this city is destroyed, but the city wasn't destroyed. Um, it's what could have happened, but not necessarily what God wanted to happen. And Jonah exactly. was the one who didn't want to do it in the first place. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another popular thing with the uh, with the hero in, in uh, the hero's journey is that the hero always refuses the call. Always. Hmm. It's uh, bigger than them. They're and they're intimidated by it. They don't think they're worthy. I mean, didn't Moses do the same thing? And Noah, you know, there's that's just, it's just classic, and it's it's very human nature. And I think we like we like that there's comfort in that because we realize we have more in common than we do that is different. Yeah, and isn't that the way it probably should be? That if if the choices that we have in life feel easy and comfortable, maybe they're not the right ones. Exactly. Maybe things should feel bigger than we can handle. Absolutely. Well, I think we've uh, we've talked about a lot of different stuff here. 
I, I appreciate you, the conversation with you guys, and it's, it's interesting and fun to to kind of explore different things and different ideas. And oh, it's wonderful. This is uh, this is uh, these are the kind of things that Corey and I live for. We love these kind of conversations, and to be able to talk about your faith in such a way and related uh, to this the saga that we love is is really pretty wonderful. And uh, I think I wish that more people would uh, be more outspoken about doing it. Yeah, well, I hope we, uh, I hope you can stir up some interest in our listeners. If, um, can you, for, for those who might be listening who haven't really followed where Star Wars is going and what's going on, can you give us just a, a little quick, um, glimpse into the coming, the coming months and years of where we're headed with Star Wars? Absolutely, Corey, well, take it away. We'd love to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, Dan and I have kind of this saying, it's, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you could have said that 10 years ago, too. I mean, there's so much going on, but in the coming, I well, it's the coming months, I could, I'm glad to say months. Uh, well, I, well, even further still, um, in a week from Thursday will be Force Friday. We're going to release um, one of the biggest toys exclusives for the new upcoming film, The Force Awakens, which comes out in December. The newest film, uh, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, comes out in December. Uh, it's much, much anticipated. Uh, we're very excited to check it out. And, and as I believe the world is, is excited as well. So it's, it's that, um, that resonance that we've we've been talking a lot about on our show. I believe Dan is is it May? Uh, Rogue May one, Rogue One is coming out in December next year. It's oh uh, you're right yeah yeah and they they're basically you've got when when Lucasfilm was purchased by Disney a few years ago for four point five billion dollars <laughs> uh, they um, they said we're going to make a trilogy of a new trilogy of films and we're going to have some uh, some standalone films very much uh, along the lines if you are familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the mm-hmm. Avengers and the wonderful things they've done there with storytelling and, and entertainment uh, that's sort of the template that they're using and since Disney owns both Marvel and Lucasfilm it's a natural fit so Rogue One is coming out next December and it's going to tell the story of how the Rebels got the plans to the Death Star which leads right into the beginning of A New Hope, the original 1977 Star Wars film. And then uh, then after that, in May of 2017, okay. is Episode Eight, And then May of 2018 is going to be the Han Solo spin-off film. And then uh, in 2019, I, don't, I can't remember if they had a date for that. They, they may. Man. That's when Episode Nine will be. Well, I believe it's is it every six months. Basically, after yeah. Rogue One comes after out. After Rogue One. So yeah. a year from, from this December, we'll have a new film. Then every six months after that, a corresponding film. If anybody who's listening right now doesn't know anything about Star Wars, they're probably thinking, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if, if folks are really interested in hearing more from, from week to week from your show, how can we how can we hear more and how can we follow along with what you guys are doing? Yeah, the best way is to go to our website, uh, coffeewithkenobi.com. Uh, all there, we've got all our list of all our shows. We have uh, comics with Kenobi with friends of good friends of ours who review the comic books. Uh, we have Legends Library who review um, the books and novels, some of the earlier stuff, the Legends line uh, they, they review, but also they've been doing lately some of the, the newer stuff. Uh, and they're good friends of ours. Um, they're doing that. You can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash coffee with Kenobi. Give us a like. We're on Twitter at 
Coffee with Kenobi, and uh, or even have a Pinterest account, and you can support our Patreon page, and we cover conventions, and we interview the authors and people from Lucasfilm and the actors, and uh, it's a beautiful Star Wars community, and uh, we're just happy to be a part of it. So much to look forward to in the world of Star Wars. Thank you, Dan and Corey, for being here. We will certainly be checking out Coffee with Kenobi. Please also check out the other Media Scorch Network podcasts. Where Are We Going is a show that examines specific topics. We have one show out around the idea of racism, another show out about peace and nonviolence. Those are great programs. We've done one other Film Matters show about the film Snowpiercer. Please also rate us on iTunes whenever you have a moment. See you next time.